Good morning, Frontline Church. <sighs> I am well, Howie. How are you doing, my friend? <laughs> I only heard Howie saying how are you, so I answered Howie, but I'm well, everybody. Um, I hope you guys are, are well as well. Um, I want to thank the pastors for um, the opportunity to um, stand in this place where so many great uh, men and women of God have stood to deliver his word. Um, it's not an opportunity that we take lightly or that we take for granted. Um, and I'm really honored to be here. And I want to say that my standing up here is 100, thanks Rainy, 100% grace. Um, that um, being up here is, is not because I'm better than any of you or that um, I don't know further, or I don't know whatever you're thinking, but it's grace. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. And you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the words of Paul. Ah, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm reminded of the words of Paul. You know, when he says, he says, me, the chief of sinners. He says, God saw it worthy. And he entrusted me with his ministry. Me. He couldn't believe it. He could not believe it. And so it's all grace. All him. And my prayer this morning is that we see him in his glory, in his fullness, even as we deliver the word. I want to start by asking you this morning, um, who would you say is a famous person that maybe in all of South Africa, who would be the one person that you would say, like, well, everybody knows that person? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't hear you. Yeah, let's. Okay, some say Nelson Mandela. Maybe Nelson Mandela. Maybe. Okay, so we're going presidential here. Huh? I, heard, I, I heard Lawrence saying Cyril Ramaphosa. I, mean, I think probably everybody knows, <laughs> I think everybody knows Cyril, like, hey, my ears. I think let's go with Cyril, I think let's go with Cyril, it's, it's fine, yeah, because Malema, let's go with Cyril, right? So, um, it's, it's, it's likely that uh, probably everybody who, who, who knows anything, whether they've got new, uh, TV or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, they probably know this guy, Cyril Ramaphosa, in the country, whether they're in the rurals or wherever, but they know this guy, right? I think it's likely, because he's fairly, you know, popular. Not popular, but famous. Popular can be different when we speak of politics. So anyway, <laughs> famous. Do we know Cyril Ramaphosa? Maybe I'm talking about someone you don't know. Do you know him? Okay, okay. Some have caught on already. Um, but may I submit to you this morning as I start that it is very likely that none of us know him in this room. That there is so much information about him. There is so much that we know that the media puts out. There is so much, we, we probably know where he keeps his US dollars. You know, <laughs> I mean... We know so much about him, but do we 
Jesus, I was thinking about that because I was thinking about, do we really know God? And for me, I'm, I'm drawing a parallel here to say that we can have so much information about God. We can be drowning in information about God and yet not know him. And the reason would be because the information we have about him, perhaps it's secondhand. Just like Cyril, it's secondhand information. Maybe some have met him here, face to face. Cyril, some face to face. But otherwise, all the information we have is secondhand. And could we be in danger of being in that same position when it comes to knowing God? That we could be sitting here having the word preached to us week after week, reading, hearing of him, and yet not know him. And yet it's only second-hand information. My prayer this morning is that if we are there, we move from that place of only knowing of him, but to actually knowing him, to knowing him, to knowing him. Because he has taken steps, costly steps, to reveal himself unto us. He has not made it hard. He's not surrounded by a million bodyguards with submachine guns. He doesn't move in an armored convoy. You don't need to make an appointment to see him. He's right here, right now. And anyone and everyone in this room can see him and experience him right here, right now. He said to the woman in, 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 in John 4, the Samaritan woman, he says, no longer do we go to this mountain or that mountain or that place to worship him. Because he is spirit, he's everywhere at the same time. So he says, you don't need to go to a certain place, a certain location in order to see him, in order to experience him, in order to know him. You don't need to go to union buildings or phone him to say, where are you? Can we have a meeting? Or go through secretaries and whatever and have a date months in advance to see him. And probably never get to see him. But he is available today for all of us right now. Where you're sitting, when you're in your car, when you're at home, when you're doing whatever you do. He has made himself so accessible, it's actually harder not to see him. He is an available God. And he says, come to me. And he says, whatever you think can stand in the way of you seeing me or meeting me. If you have sinned, come, bring it. I shall make it white as snow. If you have anything that you think, if you think I'm not worthy, if you think, how can I? If you think, he says, Come to me freely. 
He is available this morning. And if you don't get anything from this message today, I want you to get that. That he is available and he is more willing to meet you probably than you are to meet him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross. He wouldn't have opened the way. He wouldn't have torn the veil in order for you to come. He says the way is open. Come to the throne of grace directly. No intermediaries. Directly. And you will see him. Yet, there are some who still don't see him. In spite of his availability, in spite of how he's opened himself up to say, come. There are some who still don't see him. I'm going to read from Matthew 13, verse 14. Um, and it says, uh, so they show what Isaiah said about them. He's talking to the Pharisees here, talking about them not seeing him. And it says, you people will listen and listen but you will not understand. You will look and look, but you will not really see. And then he gets to the why in verse 15. He says, yes, the minds of these people are now closed. They have ears, but they don't listen. They have eyes, but they refuse to see. The vision that says the ears are hard of hearing. The ears are there, but you can't hear. The eyes are there, but you can't see. And so what I see in that scripture there is really two reasons. And there are more, but what I see there is two reasons why we don't see him in spite of how open, in spite of how available, in spite of how he's so wanting us to see him. And the first one, it's, it's, it's where it says they refuse to see. Maybe we, we won't. We just won't see him. We, we won't. We are maybe too busy looking elsewhere. Travis was speaking last week here about how we're so busy with our, you know, our mobiles. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, what, what? I don't know what people look at. You know, our eyes are glued to our mobiles. We, we're so busy looking elsewhere. We're so busy concentrating on other things. It's almost like we refuse to see him. He says the eyes are there, but they refuse to see him. That means the eyes are looking at something else that is not him. And for me, that's the surface reason. But there's a second reason, and I think it's a deeper reason. And it's there where he says, the minds of these people are now closed. And if we go to uh, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, if we read that, um, he's also talking about this closing of, of, of the mind. So he says, the God of this age, right? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. The minds are closed. Remember Matthew 13. The God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the glory, of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God should shine on them. It says they're blinded. They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Because the God of this world has blinded. But the key word that I underlined there is unbelievers 
or it says those who do not believe. And you know, this week I was sitting and I was meditating on the scripture, and uh, I thought, but wait a minute. Who are the unbelievers? And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Those people that don't know Christ. Those people that are out there. And I realized that as Pastor Rono uses this, he says, I realized that that word is, is Christianese. It's another of Christianese. We've got a whole uh, dictionary uh, of, of, of Christianese words uh, or vocabulary. And I think that's one of them. Tonight, can you allow me to add that word to that vocab of Christianese? Because when it says unbelievers, and I was thinking, I was like, what are these unbelievers? And when I really came down to it, the unbelievers are those who do not have faith. Whether in the church or not. Those who do not have faith. And indeed, other translations of the Bible, they, they actually say those who lack faith. It didn't say those who are outside of the church. It says those who do not have faith. And so what the scripture is telling us, is telling us that the God of this age, that's the devil, he has blinded the minds of those who do not have faith. He grabs on to your lack of faith, to your unbelief, and he uses that to blind you and stop you from seeing what? The glory or the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God? And you're busy, you're wondering, why? How come they're so passionate? How come they're so, maybe he favors them. But it's inside. It's lack of faith that stops us. And so when we open that door with doubt, a double-minded man is unstable in his ways, James says. He says he receives nothing from the Lord. He receives nothing from the Lord. An unstable man. A man that does not have faith. And the enemy uses that to stop us, to blind us from seeing the light. From seeing the light. And so, we need to turn back unto God. We need to turn away from the other things that we're looking at that are not him, that we're putting our attention on, that we're focusing on. Because remember, this looking at is not just about the eyes. It's about what captures your attention. What is holding you captive in terms of what you regard within your heart. And we need to turn back unto the Lord. And indeed, he says, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. And we need to have the scales removed of our eyes. But as we turn, as we turn to faith, the scales fall away, like Paul in Acts 9. They fall away, and he begins to see again. And we begin to see again. And we begin to grow. And so, um, the, 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 the goal 
of why we need to see him. The goal of that is that when we see him, there's something magical that happens. When we turn and we look at him and we regard him and we consider him and we interact with him, there's something magical that happens. In 2 Corinthians 3 um, verse 18, I want to go there, um, uh, tells us what it is exactly that happens. He says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When we see him, when we see that glory, remember, the God of this world is blinding, that we won't see the light of the gospel, right? That shines in the face of Christ. We won't see his glory. But when we behold the glory of the Lord, it says we are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. It says we are being transformed into what we see when we behold him. Into that same image. Which image, remember, in the previous verse, it told us, it says, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, I'm not going to go there, but it says, the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So he says, when you behold him, you're turned into that same image. And you're becoming more like God. More like him. That's the image. But conversely, and I'm, let me just throw that in as well. Conversely, when we look at other things, and you become what you behold. When you look at other things, you are being changed into that same image. The choice is yours. What do you want to behold? What do you want to regard? What do you want to look at? What do you want to become? That you place at the center of your world. That you exalt above everything else. That you prioritize. The choice is yours. In Romans 8 verse 29... It says, for those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Can you see that? Can you see that? To conform to the image of his son. St. Corinthians tells us when we behold that image, we are transformed into that image. But we are predestined to conform to the image of his son so that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And that is why we are here. That is why when we became Christians, we didn't get taken up like Elijah straight away to heaven. We're here to conform to the image of his son. We are being changed. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, from glory to glory. It's not like all in one go. It's a process. You know, sanctification is a process. You know, we talk about the three parts of salvation. Justification is an event. You're changed. Your past sins are forgiven. You're a child of God. You then have sanctification, which is a walk where you're being changed day by day from glory to glory, becoming more and more like him. And God is working out even all those things you're struggling with. They're being worked out as you become more and more like him. They're things that just fade away. Some things you don't need to even to put effort. You look at him and they fade away. 
And then the third part is the glorification, which is when he comes, it says in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. That's the glorification. That is when we'll be delivered. That is the final deliverance from sin. Right now, it's still possible to sin. But we have a choice. Sanctification. But when glorification happens, there is no more sin. Revelation 20, we're going to get into there. This pastor is preaching the Revelation series. But it says no more sin. No pain. No hurt. It's all gone. It's done. That's coming. But right now, let's, let's do now. Sanctification. Day by day. Glory to glory. We are being transformed into what? That same image. And if I use the word image, it should tell you something. Because an image is something you behold. You don't hear an image. I'm trying not to get preachy here. (laughs) You don't hear an image. (laughs) You see it. You behold it. And the scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 3, that when you behold it, you become it. I don't know anyone in this room who would not want to become like Christ. And so that goal that is before us, Christ-likeness, conforming to the image. The question now is how? How, William? (laughs) How, what do you mean when you say beholding his glory. What do you mean when you say looking at him? Now, um, remember, we cannot conform to this image if we can't see it, right? So there's a seeing there. But the seeing, can, can you allow me to go deeper today? But the seeing, the seeing there is not a visual seeing. Uh, I don't want to get Greeky, but <laughs> the Greek there. It talks about an experiencing. So when it says seeing that image, behind it, it actually says experiencing. And that image that it's talking about now, it's not just a picture. It's not a 2D static picture. It's actually a person. Jesus Christ. Because remember, it said... It said, the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God? Who is the image? Who is the image? It's a person. It's Jesus. So, it's not just about visually seeing him. It's about experiencing him in his fullness. Encountering him day by day. And just in case you're struggling, there's some helps that God has given us because he he thought about it. He thought about you. He says, let me help someone to see the fact that you're sitting here this morning. That's him. You should just see him in your just being here today. Alive. That's him. When you go out, it says the heavens declare the glory of God. 
Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare. When you look at the stars, you look out, you're like, <gasps> can I read that? It says, Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It says, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. They proclaim. Another version says, they speak forth. Day after day, they pour forth speech. It's like, have you ever thought about the, the, the stars and the sky that they speak? And he's telling us here that they, they speak. They pour forth speech. And what are, what are they saying? God is glorious. God placed me here. Look at me and see God. It says night after night, they display knowledge of God. So, if being here is not enough for you, go outside. Look at the sun. Look at the sky at night. It's, it's, it's declaring. It's not just speaking. It's not whispering. It's declaring. It's shouting his glory. For you to see. It's not shouting for him. He doesn't need to see his own glory. Because he is. He says God is light. He put it there for you. To marvel. And to see him. Romans 1.20. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. The qualities of God, the invisible, that means they can't be seen. Huh? Because it says invisible qualities of God. But it says, since creation... Of the world. So, and I'm going to say this. Creation is what makes the invisible visible. That's what the scripture is saying. If you really read it. It says, because it says, since he created it, the invisible qualities of God. One, his eternal power. You can't see power. You can't see it. Huh? And it says his divine nature, what he is like. You can see that. But he says when you look at creation, he says that which is invisible becomes visible. So it's not just the sky. It's not just you. Just walking outside. It's just all talking about him. Everything. Just the bricks. The soil, the plants, it's all him. And it's making visible what he is like and who he is to help you to experience him. He's visible. And he says, being understood, Romans 1 verse 2, and I'm still in there, being understood from what has been made, that which has Invisible is understood from what has been made. And he says, so that men are without excuse. And we often grapple with the, with the, with the question of, God, why did you make the, this? Why did you make that? Why did you make this animal? How come there's so many varied? Couldn't God have made us only or something? You, you understand? But he's doing it to display himself. For you to see him. Because you are the chief of God's creation. 
all him. In Proverbs 6, it says, <laughs> go to the end. The end. You sluggard. Go to the end. You know what it says? It says, it's got no commander. It says, yet it gathers in the summer so that it's got provision in the winter. Why? Who is directing the end? The end is talking to you, telling you about him. So next time you see an end, don't just squash it. Say, wow, God, I see you. Because who told that end how to go which way and they work into the community? I mean, who told that end? It's telling you about him. That's why he made it. The invisible qualities of God are seen in his creation. You have no excuse for not seeing him. You can't say, I can't see him. Look at yourself first. You see him. If you can't see him, find something else. He has gone to great lengths to make himself visible, to make himself available, to make himself accessible to you. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He indwells you. And do you know what Holy Spirit does? It says, he's testifying of me. He will point you to me. So just in case you can't see with your physical eyes, you can't see all this creation, Holy Spirit indwelling you, testifying of him, pointing you back to him. There is no excuses. Where can I go to hide from your presence, oh God? Where can I go so that I don't see you? It's a rhetorical question. No way. You can't run from him. He is so visible, it's hard not to see him. Oh, that someone would see him this morning. That someone would experience you this morning, Lord. He is in the pages of scripture. When you read his word, you know, John 5, 39, it says, um, you, you, you search the scriptures because you think in them you, there is eternal life. He says, but they testify of me, the scriptures. So when you read the scriptures, you see him. What does John 1 say? Verse 14. What does it say? It says the word became flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Then verse 14, there it is. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But look at the next line. Can someone read it? What does it say? And we beheld his glory. When the word came, became flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, we saw him. Right? The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld, we saw him. Remember I said that image is a person. There it is. The word became flesh and we saw his glory. And just in case the connection between his glory and the person is not clear, if you go to John 1 verse 4, <laughs> and I get stuck on that verse, but I'm just going to quote it. It says, in him 
was life. And that life was the light of men. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. So as he walked on the earth and he did what he did, the light was shining. The light was shining. That's why he says there in verse 14 that we beheld his glory. Because the light was shining through his life. Through his life. And so if you want to see more, if you go to the Gospels, start with the Gospels. Read. Read about what Jesus did. But here's a trick I want to tell you. It's not a, it's not a trick, it's a key. Here's a key. When you read the Gospels, and you read that um, Jesus was preaching in her house, and then suddenly this, and then some people are taking off the roof, and they lower a guy, a crippled guy, um, on a mat. If I, if I time, I'll be more dramatic about it, but it's fine. And, and they lower this guy who's crippled, right? And, and, and Jesus, he's, he's busy preaching, he's doing what he does. And, you know, long story short, he says to this guy, oh, rise up, take up your mat, cut cribs, go home. Or, or when he's sleeping and there's a storm, and the disciples rush to wake him. Master, master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he gets up, he says, peace, be still. When you read that, you know what I've noticed, and it's not a bad thing, but I want to tell you something here. What I've noticed that what people do, what Christians do is they'll say, oh God, you calm the storm. In, on that day when they were on the boat, they calm my storms in my life. You spoke to that crippled man, and he, he, he rose. So um, speak into my life, and I'll be changed. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's very correct. But before you get there, I want you to stop and consider a God that can speak to a storm. And it goes quiet. I want you to stop and marvel at a God that can say to a crippled person, Rise up and walk. He didn't touch him. He didn't do funny things. I don't know what people do. He just says, rise up and walk. And he got up. He carried his mat and he walked. He came in through the roof on a stretcher or whatever it was. Marvel before you go to say, Lord, do it for me. Start by marveling at this God to say, who is this God that can speak to situations? That can speak to storms. That can speak and healing comes. That can speak to blind people. That can turn lives around. Who is this God? You'll be seeing him. Before you insert yourself into the situation. See him first. Do not rush to say, oh, so he can do it for me. Uh -uh. That will come. Because as you see him. You become, and as you become, some of these things that you're struggling with, I promise you they fade away just as you become because they cannot stand in the presence of God. We need to sustain a holy preoccupation with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to sustain it 
that it has to be a preoccupation with the person of Jesus Christ. Only that is our salvation. In him was life. And the life, that life, was the light of man. So, I want to conclude by asking you this morning, where are you standing? Where are you standing? You know, I'll tell you a quick story, and I should have, I should have actually put up a picture there. It's coming to my mind now. There was a time that we, 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 we drove to, to Durban, and we decided that instead of just taking the N3, um, when we got somewhere, I don't know, we turned Midlands, Meander, you know, scenic route, potholes. Anyway, so, <laughs> everywhere is better for your car. But anyway, there's things to do there. And we stopped at a place they called Mandela Capture Site. And there's a, an incredible sculpture there. Oh, man, I should have put the picture up. There's an incredible sculpture there where it's just shards of metal standing there. And they just look like shards of metal. But as you walk and you, and you stand at a certain place, you actually see Nelson Mandela's face in just those random shards. And only when you stand in the right place do you see his face. You move to the left, it becomes fuzzy. You can't see. You move to the right, you go to the side, you just see black metal. It's like random. But only when you stand in the right place, you see him. And then you stop singing... You know, because <laughs> you, you, you'll be seeing him then, you know. But I want to ask you that today, for you to see Christ, you need to be standing in faith, in him. You will not see him any other way. Because remember, once you are in unbelief, the God of this world uses that to close your eyes. You cannot see him. Are you standing in faith this morning? Are you standing in him this morning? Or maybe you have strayed. Maybe you used to be there, but you have strayed. Maybe you don't see him anymore. You know, Matthew 24, 12 says, uh, 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 because of the wickedness, because of the wickedness, of the increase of wickedness, says the love of many will grow cold. Maybe, maybe, maybe people have done you wrong. Maybe you've lost hope in humanity. You should never have had hope in humanity in the first place. Put your hope in Christ. Maybe the church messed you up. And you've grown cold. And you don't see him anymore. He's calling us today. He's saying, come back. He's saying, come back. Come back. Be restored. Come back unto him. Maybe you've never seen him. Maybe you say, I've, I've never heard of him today. Today is the day. Today is the day where you can take that step to say, I want to stand in the correct place where I can see him. Because if you're standing anywhere else, you cannot see him.
in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, he says, I think I put it here. It says, the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He's talking about creation. Genesis 1 and further. It says he has shined in our hearts. Remember, their hearts were darkened. We read about that. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that word face there is again meaning person. In the person of Jesus Christ. In the life of Christ, which was the light of men. So God has commanded the light to shine into our hearts. And my prayer this morning is that God do it for us in this place. Do it for us in this place. Can I ask us to stand? Do it for us in this place, God. Do it for us in this place. Let me read this before I pray. <sighs> Ephesians 4.17 says, For so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. In verse 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. May we not harden our hearts this morning. May we not harden our hearts this morning. Hebrews tells us that the word did not profit them, the Israelites, because the word was not mixed with faith. When it entered them, it was not mixed with faith, and so it did not profit them. They hardened their hearts. May we soften our hearts and open up our hearts unto God this morning. Allow me to pray. Father, we thank you. Open up our hearts, O oh Lord God. Like that rain we spoke of at the start. Your word coming like, like the rain, Lord God. Let it soften our hearts. Let it soften our hearts, O oh Lord God. Minister unto us, O oh God. Because we want to see you, Jesus. We want to see you, Lord. We cannot become like you otherwise. We desire you above everything else, Lord. Soften our hearts, Lord. I speak to the hardened hearts in this room this morning. Be softened. Be softened. And we command the light, that light, that life which was the light of men, which shines in the face of Jesus Christ, the light of the glory of God. We command it to shine in darkened hearts. We command it to shine in hardened hearts this morning in the name of Jesus. We command it to shine. Lord, we pray for a transformation, a turnaround, Lord, where we did not see you before, Lord God. May we see you again, Lord. May we take the steps, Lord, to remove every hindrance, everything that has been preventing us from seeing you, Lord. That we might see you clearly, face to face, Lord. The light shining in the face of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
if you're struggling with this, you, you say my, my, my heart is, is, is hardened I've been through too much William you don't understand I've been through so much you don't know what I've, what I've been dealing with you don't know the things that you say, you say my attention is captured but, but you don't know what I'm going through I want to invite you to bring it before the Lord this morning we're making space here to say come before the Lord and bring whatever it is come as you are whatever it is bring it before the Lord yes I don't understand but the Lord does because he knows all things and he's more than ready and willing to minister unto you this morning to deal with whatever it is that you have been dealing with if you're feeling overwhelmed this morning the Lord is here if you're feeling like you've drifted and that you're far from him, he's here and he's calling you. He's inviting you to come. He has done everything, everything to make himself visible and accessible unto you. It's only left for you to take that step. Present yourself to him. And he is ready and willing to move in your life. And bring healing. And bring deliverance. And bring a turnaround. In your circumstances. But more importantly, in your life. So that you can see him. And behold him.